You're tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Keetra. Thanks so much for joining me for another wonderful episode of SOB, Style of Business, the podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Rob Aurelius, who is the co-founder of A&R Collective Group, also known as ARCG, which is an entertainment marketing firm based in New York. He's joining us today. I've been trying to get this gentleman for the last couple of weeks or so. We finally were able to work out a date, and I'm definitely honored to have him on. So without further ado, I would like to have Rob come in, introduce himself, and then we'll get the interview rolling from there. So, hey, what's up, Rob? How you doing? Hello, Keisha. How are you? Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining. I, I truly appreciate it. So, like I said, we just kind of introduced you earlier, mentioned that you are the co-founder of A&R Collective Group. And um, if you'd like, just go ahead and give us a couple of details and, and expand on your background a little bit for us. Yeah, so A&R Collective Group is a company that an associate of mine and I created back in 2013. And what A&R Collective Group is, it's an entertainment marketing, consulting, advertising, promotion, event planning, event management, social media management firm. There's so many things there in that company. And the reason why we decided to create it is because I come from a promotional background. I have done promotions for many brands. I've also done a lot of uh, consulting and a lot of the... I have actually helped create certain businesses in the past, innovation-wise. And at the time, uh, my associate, who was my partner at the time, he had this vision. And he told me, listen, you know... uh, we got to create a company. we got to create something. we got to create a platform to help these people here in New York City because, you know, we live in New York. New York is big, and business is a big thing here in New York City. And, you know, of course, we wanted to eventually reach a branch out to other states, other countries, and be a, a worldwide company. But at the time, we considered ourselves a boutique firm when we started ARCG was because we wanted to cater to a lot of the people in New York due to the fact that here in New York City, we have plenty of uh, firms that do the same things that we do, such as Sony, Viacom, to name a few, Rock Nation. And sometimes the issue with these things is that a lot of these people, if you're a talent especially, let's say, for example, you're a music artist, or let's say you're an actor, and you're looking for an agent, you're looking for a management company that's going to take you serious. Sometimes what I have heard from my clients in the past is that with New York City being such a big city, they feel like they're not priority. Uh, when they have been a part of the roster of these big-name companies that I mentioned before. Yeah. So they come to us because they like the fact that we're a boutique firm, we're, we're small, and we have a lot of clients. You know, we've been around for a few years now, we have so many clients, but at the same time, we make our clients feel like there's always a connection. We make our clients feel like they're always priority. And that's what we've been working on for the last few years. That's my passion, to always make our clients feel appreciated and feel like you know they are number one. Because at the end of the day, I'm a consumer myself, and I utilize services from companies, and you know, I shop around in places, and customer service has always been a big thing for me. And I know that I'm a person, that I, I've been gifted by God to be able to help people as far as service-wise, so that's why, you know, again, I created ARCG, because I really love helping people. And I love helping spread, when it comes to branding, I love to make brands, uh, of course, be known, well-known, 
And at the same time, like if it comes to uh, spreading awareness, that's something that's also uh, I'm passionate about as well, too. Exactly. Yeah. And so in regards to ARCG, what sort of... uh I mean, it, that's not specific to just the music and entertainment industry. Well, the music industry, right? You guys also do a lot of uh, sports marketing as well. Yes. Got it. Sports marketing. Yeah. And so I know with you, definitely within the WWE and MMA and boxing and, and those arenas, like how did you get involved with those particular industries? Because I know you initially started out within the music areas, right? Yes. I started with the music, with movies. When it came to WWE, it was like a dream come true. Honestly, I, I tell people this all the time. When ARCG was created, my partner and I at the time, we had no idea that we would ever be involved with pro wrestling or even, we simply <laughs> wanted to work with sports. And the thing is, you know, we're both from Brooklyn and we're big Brooklyn Nets fans. And the Barclays Center had just been built around the time that ARCG was created. So one of the things we said to ourselves at the time, we we're like, hey, listen, let's try to do business with the Barclays Center. It's a new venue. We're a new company. Our collaboration will be, be great. If we could do something with the Brooklyn Nets down the line, that would be great. And again, WWE was nowhere near the map or nowhere near the area of interest. But the thing is, I grew up being a WWE fan when it was WWE back in the day. Mm-hmm. And all of this started, all of this started one day, one of my clients was having a fashion show. Her name is Amira Faraj, and she specializes in couture dresses. And there was an event in New York City that she was a part of. She had just actually produced a collection. And she invited me to pretty much be there to help her with the social media because that's what I do. When I'm not in the office, that's what I'm doing. I'm actually at events doing social media marketing, social media promotions. And to make a long story short, there was a former WWE wrestler who was at the event. He was there as a guest. And when I saw the guy, I didn't recognize him at first because he looked very different from looked like when he was a wrestler. And I heard somebody mention the name. Like in between the event, I heard his name being mentioned. And when I looked at the guy, I looked at him again and I said, oh my God, you know, it's really him. It's Gene Snitsky. And I walked up to him. I had a conversation with him and I gave him my business card. And to make a long story short, him and I became good friends after that. And I started hanging out with him every time he came, because he's based out in Pennsylvania. But every time he came to New York, we hung out. And from that point on, he pretty much introduced me to a few people and said, hey, listen, if you guys ever need promotion, if you guys ever need advertising or marketing or whatever it is, if you have a brand, you have a product, you have a clothing line that you want to promote, Rob's the guy to talk to. So with that happening, people started reaching out to me little by little. And, you know, at the time I was telling Rick, who was my business partner, I said, hey, Rick, listen, we have uh, all these guys, of you know, wrestlers former wrestlers that now are pursuing other careers, other opportunities, and they want us to help them. And from that point on, I was introduced to another gentleman named Prince Nana, who works for another wrestling promotion out there that's called Ring of Honor. And Prince Nana is actually from Brooklyn. And I reached out to him on Twitter. Twitter has been a very, and I'll get into that later on, but Twitter has been such a powerful, powerful thing for me over the years. And I reached out to Prince Nana and I said to him, hey, listen, you know, I see that you're an entertainment guru. I'm in the entertainment world. I just started. I would like to get some advice from you. The guy actually reached back out to me. He said to me, sure, no problem. Let's set up a meeting. We actually met at the Barclays Center about two years ago. And at the time, there was a few things that he wanted to get done as far as getting verified on Twitter. And I had the resources at the time to do that. And he says, listen, let's meet, let's talk. And he said, if you can help me get verified on Twitter, I will, anything that you need, anything that you want, any questions you have, I will answer them for you. So it was kind of like a trade for value thing. So as soon as it got verified, of course, you know, the avenues just kept opening up. 
uh, more resources were available to me. And Princeton introduced me to the independent wrestling scene, where most of the guys who are going to be future WWE guys, or guys that were in the WWE before, if they left the WWE, they returned to the indie scene, because in the indie scene, obviously, it's, it's more local shows. I mean, your WWE is so commercial where you're paying like hundreds of dollars to go to an arena like Madison Square Garden, Barclays Center, but on an indie show, you could probably pay $40 max and you actually have access to watch a, a local independent show. So with that being said, I met some of the wrestlers from that point on and some and every time I met these wrestlers, I made connections with them. And these guys will later on go on just like this we did and be like, hey, listen, if you guys ever need this, you ever need that, Rob's the guy. So before you know it, I started building like this network where I was talking to a lot of these wrestlers. And these wrestlers were like, well, listen, what do you, if you ever had a dream job in the wrestling business, what would you like that job to be? And I said, well, I've always wanted to be a backstage agent. I know that sometimes an agent backstage is a wrestler who is retired and now he became a road agent. Or sometimes it's just somebody who just, you know, pretty much went to school for this. You know what I'm saying? To learn how to become an agent backstage. Mm. But I said, that's what I want to do. And I'm like, and if I can be an agent, and if I can't do that, if I can be an agent for wrestlers, because, you know, wrestlers are talents, just right. like music artists, just like actors. Yeah. And they sometimes they're needed management. WWE provides those things. But sometimes some of these guys, because wrestlers are considered independent contractors. So sometimes some of these guys, they actually don't want the WWE to be their management. They prefer to have a management outside of the WWE. So that's what I was looking for. So, you know, I was able to manage through some social media promotions and stuff for Smithy. I was able to do some of the stuff for Prince Nana. And the doors just kept opening for me. And then from that point, I finally met with a uh, legendary WWE wrestler who worked with the WWE for 33 years. And mm -hmm. his name is Steve Lombardi, also known as the Brooklyn Brawler. When I met with the Brooklyn Brawler, the reason why I reached out to him, he was uh, somebody I was following on Twitter, and he was following me back. I was working on this project which I actually put on hold at the moment, but I was working on this project called the Brooklyn Tribune, which is a publishing platform for Brooklyn people to share their stories about Brooklyn, how Brooklyn has changed, what they miss about the old Brooklyn, what they like about the new Brooklyn, or what they don't like about the new Brooklyn, and what they like about the old Brooklyn, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And him being a Brooklyn guy, I reached out to him because I wanted to actually speak with the Brooklyn Borough president. I was trying, because when I was looking for how to get funding for this project, someone who I was connected with said to me, Rob, you should talk to the Brooklyn Borough president because the Brooklyn Borough president would actually probably like this idea and they would actually give you directions as to where you got to go, uh, you know, where you got to go with this. So mm -hmm. I reached out to Brooklyn Borough. I was like, hey, listen, I'm trying to get the Brooklyn Borough president to respond to me. So I have a whole bunch of people from Brooklyn retweeting the tweet that I just sent out there. Can you please like it? He liked the tweet, and from that point on, we kind of built a relationship. He reached out to me a few times. He said to me, hey, Rob, I have a tweet that I just put out. Can you please like it? And I always liked it for him, and I had a lot of my friends do it. I would say to him, hey, listen, guys, the Book and Roller, who's a good friend of mine, just tweeted out something. Can you please like his tweet? And they were like, sure, no problem. And, you know, from that point on, he saw something, whatever it was he saw. He started to trust me. He started to like me more. And then finally, we met in person at a WWE show that I went to last year in Brooklyn. He was still working with the WWE. And from that point on, he just started talking to all the talent in the back, in the locker room. And he started telling them, hey, guys, I have this friend named Rob. He's a big promoter here in New York. He's from Brooklyn. If you guys ever need something, if you guys, you know, because these wrestlers, sometimes they come out with books. Yeah. They come out with, like, merchandise. Different and they projects. wanted to be pushed. Yeah. So from that point on, I was able to start building relationships with all these people. So to make a long story short, right after that, now I'm going to the WWE shows. 
now I'm part of the WWE community, and the WWE community, what they do, and this is something I've always wanted to do, because people have always told me, hey, Rob, do you ever want to work for the WWE? And I was like, I don't want to work for the WWE directly as, like, I don't want to be a wrestler for them, because first of all, I'm too old now, <laughs> and I've had so many injuries in my life. And honestly, like, I love what these guys do, and I, and I appreciate the sacrifice they make in the ring. But I did a lot of that when I was younger. I used to do a lot of backyard wrestling, and I'm hurt. I'm injured, and I don't want to continue to injure myself and probably end up paralyzed, you know, just because I'm over here making a sacrifice for my body to entertain people, right. uh, not to take any anything away from them. And I said, and WWE can be political at times, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. It's just, you know, I'm just somebody who's in the industry, so I kind of know how things work. But I did say there is one thing I like about the WWE. The WWE has something now called the WWE community. What the WWE community does is they go to the local schools, they go to hospitals, did a few shows for the troops out in Baghdad, out in Afghanistan, when we had this war uh, a few years ago in Iraq and stuff like that. They were doing free shows for those people. They go around to, to schools and they talk to the kids about bullying, you know, mm-hmm. with the anti-bullying programs that they work with. They are very big with charities. One of the, the two of the biggest charities they work with right now is one that was just created about a few years ago. It's actually for children's pediatric cancer, and it's called Connor's Cure. Okay, the other right. one, which is something that I, it's dear to my heart, is uh, Susan G. Coleman. The WWE works with them in October during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And breast cancer is actually a very big cause for me because I actually have a great aunt who passed away from breast cancer, and that's how I was able to learn what breast cancer was. And about two years ago, we lost a family friend of ours who was actually a male who also passed away from breast cancer. So when I found out the WWE was working with Susan G. Coleman and what they do to raise awareness and to raise money, to finally find this cure to get rid of breast cancer, I mean, I was really blown away and amazed. And I love what the WWE superstars do outside of the ring. Exactly, yeah. And I know there's a lot of opportunities for these guys to use their platform for causes bigger than themselves. And I, I guess that's one of the things that I was interested in and when I first reached out to you about having you on is because... I know that you are involved with different community events, children's events, and specifically when you mentioned Connor's Cure, I noticed that you were doing quite a bit in regards to that. And speaking of of kids and childhood and things of that nature, when you were younger, like, did you ever imagine that, I know you mentioned you used to do backyard wrestling and some, probably some amateur sports and things like that, but did you imagine that you would pursue a career in, in boxing in the fitness world? To be honest, I started boxing and I started doing all the cause amateur kickboxing right now. Yeah, I know you just started kick. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be honest, when I was a child, all I cared about was playing with toys. All I cared about was watching wrestling, and I really didn't have any ambitions with things. And you know, sometimes you ask children when they're younger, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I think I obviously didn't know what I wanted to do because I never really had enough guidance as a child. So I would say things like, oh, well, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a superhero, stuff like that. But, you know, in my teenage life, I started to realize certain things, you know, because, of course, I was maturing. I was getting a a more of a sense of what life was. And, you know, in my early adulthood, that's when I really said to myself, okay, these are the things that I want to do. I want to be a businessman. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to help communities. I want to help companies. I want to help brands. I mean, I always had it in me. I always had the knack. Because, you know, sometimes in this type of industry, you are naturally a promoter or you are taught to become a promoter. Right. And I feel like when you are naturally a promoter, it speaks with so much volume because it's, it's already, it's a natural gift. It's already there. And when I started working with these guys, with the WWE guys, and I started working with athletes in other situations, boxing was never a big to me. I mean, I, I grew up watching Mike Tyson box 
some of the big names. You know, I was always a fan of Muhammad Ali because I liked how good he was in the ring. And I, and I just liked like, the kind of guy that he was. You know, a lot of people say he was controversial. But when I saw the Ali movie that Will Smith played Muhammad Ali in, I was inspired. I was really inspired. And I said, if this is what really happened, this is beautiful. You know, Muhammad Ali had a beautiful story to tell. And he was an amazing talent. And I think Muhammad Ali revolutionized not just sports, but he revolutionized so much at the time because there was so much more going on at the time, you know, with racism and stuff like that. And I'm into stuff like that. I'm into people that are game changers, people that are innovators, people that are influencers. And with all the stuff that I'm surrounded with, a lot of the wrestlers that I know, they do a lot of cardio when they're not in the ring. And one of them spoke to me. I think one of them was actually Brooklyn Bowling. He said to me, hey, Rob, you should get into, like, something into fitness. Because, you know, at the time, I was a little overweight. I wasn't eating healthy. I was having some health issues. And I was like, listen, I'm too lazy to work out. I got to find something that will challenge me. And to me, going to a gym every single day, and not to take away from people that go to the gym every day and live the fit life, but to me, going to the gym every day and lifting up weights, it wasn't doing anything for me. I wasn't finding any kind of passion. I wasn't finding any type of reason, like, or motivation to be there. But something about me is I'm always up for a challenge. I'm always up to do something that I've never done before. I never put on boxing gloves, and I never punched a bag. So, you know, unfortunately, at the time that I wanted to do this, I was 30 years old. I'm 31 now. And I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to get into kickboxing. Yeah. And everybody was like, hey, listen, be careful because it's not easy. It's not something that you learn overnight. <laughs> if you haven't really used your legs in the past to fight, take it easy. And if you've never gotten into like, real fights in your life, you're not really going to know how to throw a punch the right way. And I said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do it. It's a challenge. It was a New Year's resolution for 2017 as well. I joined a place called I Love Kickboxing, which is in my neighborhood, and I started going there, and honestly, uh, when I started going there, I think I was 228 pounds. I'm down now to 212. I've lost some inches. I've burned a lot of fat, and I'm very proud of myself, and it's also helped me with a lot of things that I didn't know about myself, and what I like about boxing it's, by itself is that boxing actually teaches you and shows you strengths that you didn't know you had. So now that I'm into that, I mean, it's like something that I do, I don't do it every day, but I do it at least three or four times a week. It gets the heart rate up, and it makes me sweat a lot, and I love it. I love the way it feels. And then after that, I can relax. But it, like again, I've seen some results. I've seen some changes in my body. I've noticed that I've gained so much energy that I didn't think, I didn't know I had before. And yeah, you know, I mean, it took me so long to finally do something like this, but I'm glad that I started doing it because... They always say sometimes that it's never too late to learn something new and it's never too late to try something out. So, you know, now that I'm doing kickboxing and boxing, I really love it. I mean, will I uh, do a career out of it? No, of course not, I do, because I think I'm a little too old for that now. But um, I don't mind on my spare time when I'm not doing anything. I can just pick up my gloves and go to the gym or find a friend of mine and spar with them. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, I tell you what, as, as busy as you are, you definitely have to have some sort of energy and, and make sure you're fit. So... Truly, oh, yeah. yeah, I truly agree with you there. And um, as far as I know you mentioned just kind of being inspired by different stories that you've seen and different people that you've reached out to, what keeps you going? Like what keeps you continuing on your entrepreneurial mission? What keeps me going is the fact of the matter is that I was born and raised in New York City. New York City is the greatest, biggest city in the world. And this is the place and New York itself, America. Yeah. The country of America, it's, it's, it's a land of opportunity. I was born here. And my grandmother, who came from the Dominican Republic, she brought my entire family to this country. And with that alone, that taught me something. That taught me that we are born to work and to make things happen for ourselves, 
for others. It's important for us to help out others. It's important for us to teach others. And it's important for us, to, you know, because at the end of the day, like the way I feel about everything, I'm a very spiritual person. I believe in God. And I believe that we all have talents and that we have to put them into use. We have to utilize them. Right. And I felt like my talent was that with the resources that I have and with the giving kind of personality that I have, I am able to help people in through services. And the fact that a few years ago when I was in college, I said to myself, you know something, I was born here in New York. New York is big. New York is like, it's or die. It's like Alicia Keys said, if you make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I started doing this because I also wanted to inspire the youth. I care a lot about the youth. I feel like a lot of children nowadays, they're not getting, uh, you know, especially with all the resources that's out there, but I feel like they're not going in the direction they should because there's so much distractions out there. Right. I mean, there's always been distractions in life, but I feel like there's more distractions nowadays because of technology and a few other things that are out there. And I just have this passion of becoming someone in the near future that can be recognized for the, the good that I did. I'm definitely not trying to be at the level of like what Martin Luther King did. Martin Luther King impacted a world, an entire world. You know, Martin Luther King impacted so many. I don't ever expect to be at that level. And if I do get to that level, great. But, you know, I'm a humble person. It's just part of my personality. I, I care about giving. I care about helping. And those are the things that I think about on a daily basis that keeps me running. I wake up every single day. I have my coffee first thing in the morning. And then I think to myself, okay, Rob, today this client needs this. This client needs that. Tomorrow you have to work on this because you have an event next week. So, mm -hmm. you know, I the way I, I do things is I plan everything out strategically. And I think about these things. And it's a constant reminder in my head because my head is processing millions of things all at once. I mean, I don't know why and, and how it, and why it works that way, but that's how my brain works. My brain is just processing things by the second. And the fact that it does that, I'm happy in a way because I say to myself, you know what, it's good. Because at the end of the day, I'm not easily distracted by things. I don't get caught up. I always try to make sure that I get the job done. Because when I get the job done, that's how I build a reputation. That's how people start to respect me. That's how people start to rely on me. And today, I have so many people that rely on me, so many brands that rely on, you know, to tweet something out for them, to promote something for them, to send out an email blast for an event that they're having or a project that they're working on. And I want to keep it that way. I love what I do. I'm very passionate about it. When it comes to the WWE superstars, I love promoting things for them because what they have done for me in return is that they've given me exposure. Okay. And they've invited me to shows for free. And I've been backstage and I've been able to meet with some of my childhood heroes because of these people. So at the end of the day, it's all about keeping an image. It's all about a reputation. And reputation, the word reputation itself, is strong for me. And I believe in that word so much. And I always tell everybody, I tell my peers, I tell my colleagues, I tell the, the youth, I tell them, listen, growing up, one of the biggest things that you have to work on is your reputation. Because your reputation is what is going to, people will judge you based upon that. That's how people will be able to say, well, you know, I like working with this person because this person is a very serious person. They get the job done. Or they'll be like, eh, I don't like working with this guy or this lady because, you know, they're very flaky, they're never on time, and they can never keep their word. And word is something that you must honor every single day. And these are the things that I go by every single day. These are the things I tell myself. These are the things that I implement into myself so that I know, okay, this is the reason why I'm up and running every single day. This is my purpose life. Exactly. Yeah. Purpose and vision. No, I, I definitely agree. 
And I know you mentioned earlier that you pretty much just kind of have it in your head what you're supposed to be doing like day to day. Do you use any productivity tools? I know we we're going to be talking about social media here in a second, but what types of productivity tools are you using to kind of keep you on task? I'm not a big fan of apps <laughs> because uh, oh, okay. you know, there's so many of them out there, but I use a few platforms to help me schedule tweets. A lot of people think, see, before, and I think I, I noticed this with you on your Twitter, I noticed that you have automatic posts like throughout the day. Yeah. And the funny thing is sometimes people will think that you actually just posted that in real time. And before, I used to have posts that used to go out all day long, and people used to think, like, oh, my God, this guy claims to be so busy, but he's on Twitter almost every five minutes tweeting something out. And then, I, you know, I had to get into details and explain to everybody, hey, guys, there's tools nowadays that you can use, like Buffer exactly. and Power Tweet, and you can use these things to actually schedule tweets. I was like, the reason why I do that, the main reason why I do that is because I try to downsize my work. I have so much work to do. My company right now, there's only two guys that work. I'm the only guy operating in New York City. The other guy's in California, and the other guy's in Texas. I don't see these guys. I don't see these guys every day. We don't communicate every day either. So at the end of the day, whatever has to be done here, I got to make sure it's done. So I use these platforms to, again, help me downsize the work and to make things more accessible, more easier to use. Of course, when I have about 100 clients that need social media management, how do I oh, wow. juggle this? What I do is I use these platforms that are available to uh, people like us, like people that do promotions and advertising and marketing. And I use these resources for the folks. Exactly. That's, that's how I do that. certainly helps to have that. In regards to social media, how do you use those to connect with your, your audience? I know specifically with the, I think you're on Facebook and Twitter. I know yes. I saw you. Okay. Yes. Uh, the only social media accounts, I mean, I, I, I used to be on almost everything. Like I had a Snapchat before and stuff like that. I can't keep up with half of those things. <laughs> exactly. The thing is, some of these social sites nowadays, like Twitter and Instagram, for, for example, I noticed that Instagram has a lot of the features that Snapchat uses. And, you know, a lot of people reach out to me all the time and say, Rob, do you have a Snapchat? And I say, no. And the reason why I don't have a Snapchat is because I already have Instagram. Instagram has so many features now that are like Snapchat, and that's why I don't try to be all over the place with it. So I keep it very simple. The three social sites that I use on an, almost on a daily basis, I use Facebook. Because Facebook, I use it strictly for networking and to upload photos as to what's going on with my day. On Twitter, I do the same thing as well, too. And then sometimes, once in a while, I come up with, like, a quote in my head. So I like to use Twitter to tweet out motivational quotes and retweet, like, something that I like. Sometimes I have an associate or a client that reaches out to me and says, Rob, can I get a retweet on this? And, you know, if I like what they tweeted, of course, I retweet it. And sometimes it blows up. And, you know, before you know it, you got about 20,000 people looking at the tweet. Yeah. Um, Twitter is my strongest platform because Twitter is what I, I'm, I'm active on the most. I have much more followers on my Twitter than I have on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, I have about, if I'm not mistaken, 12,000 followers. On my Facebook, I have a Facebook fan page. It's got 10,000 followers. But my Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I have 189,000 followers. And when I'm tweeting, no matter what it is that I'm tweeting, I have people that are retweeting it automatically. Yeah. And sometimes I'm tweeting, you know, stuff about like what's trending, what's going on with the world. People give me their feedback on that. You retweet it. I get a whole bunch of replies to it. Or I'll share like an event that's going on or whatever the case may be or something that I'm going to work on soon or something that I'm working on at the moment. And the thing is, I always get feedback. I always interact with people. People always like my tweets and retweet me, but they also reach out to me at the same time. And I've actually been able to build a network of my own on Twitter where I have so many celebrities that follow me. Just to name a few, I have people like Edward James Olmos, who's an actor, who follows me. 
Nancy Sinatra, who's actually the daughter of Frank Sinatra, the legendary singer. Missy Elliott follows me. I got a few WWE superstars that follow me. I have so many people that follow me. I have news anchors that follow me, politicians that follow me, actors, singers, activists. And sometimes I can't keep up. There's sometimes celebrities that follow me that I don't even know they follow me. And I'm like, I didn't know these, this person follows me. Like when it comes to the MMA, there's a guy named Tito Ortiz. He's a big time MMA fighter. And when I met at the convention, I went to go look at his Twitter account to, you know, say something about him. And I realized the guy was following me already. And I looked at him, I was like, you're following me. And he was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that. He goes, yeah, I must have been following you for a while. And I was like, wow, look at that. You know, so Twitter, Twitter is full of surprises. And Twitter, uh, to me, I feel like Twitter is only getting better. And Twitter has a great platform, which is Twitter ads, which helps you promote to get tweets out there even more. And I just heard recently that Twitter's working on, I'm not sure if you heard this, this might be available to you because I think they're doing it more, uh, more or less with the verified accounts right now. But um, Twitter's actually going to expand the 140 character to 280. Oh, wow. So now you can tweet longer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I what I'm and to me, that's a beautiful thing. Instagram, I mean, Instagram's for photos. I take a lot of photos of a lot of the things that I do, whether I'm working out, doing kickboxing, whether I'm at an event, whether I am enjoying the beautiful day and I want to post a photo of, I'm into beauty, I'm into art, I'm into stuff like that, I'm into landscapes. So, you know, and living in this beautiful city, why not take advantage of taking photos of how beautiful the city is? So, you know, I use my Instagram for that. But Facebook, I mainly use it to, like, again, to network. I keep in touch with family. I have been so surprised over the last few years how many people from my past, like people I went to elementary school with, oh, elementary wow. school teachers who found me on Facebook, or I found them, and now we're in contact. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I knew this, I'm 31 years old now. This is my first grade teacher. And they're like, oh, my God, you've changed so much. You don't look the same anymore. And, you know, now they get to see what I do with my everyday life. And now they're like, you know, a few of my teachers, a few, like about, I, I think this was like last year, a few of my teachers, I wrote a post about something. And it was like, it was a post about gratitude. And some of the teachers that I've actually reconnected with on Facebook, they commented on the post. And what they were saying, pretty much all of them, what they were saying in a nutshell was that they were happy about themselves because they feel like they had an influence in my life as a child, because they gave me the education that I needed, which I took with me, and I went on with it in life, yeah. and I am the person that I am today, because of the guidance and the education that I received from them, and I told them right back, yeah, of course, you guys should take credit, because if it wasn't for you guys, because growing up, I was raised in a single parent home, my mother was raising four children, it was very hard for her, because she had a job, and my mother is one of those people, she's very old-fashioned, so she likes to do everything by herself. She doesn't really rely, she doesn't trust on people. She's very independent. So it was very hard for her to manage having a full-time job and putting her kids in school, putting her kids in bed, waking her kids up early in the morning to get ready for school. And I know she struggled a lot. And I saw that as a child and I said to myself, you know, hopefully someday I can do something where I can say, hey mom, you don't have to worry about working anymore. Now I'm gonna take care of you for the rest of your life. I'm gonna get you a beautiful house. I truly believe my mom deserves a house of her own. And I'm going to tell her, listen, I'll make sure that you can be stress-free. Once mm -hmm. you become an older person, you don't have to worry about certain things as, a, as an older person. Because sometimes people say that as you get older, things get more difficult. And I've noticed that a lot of people, you know, especially senior citizens in this country, have suffered a lot and struggled so much, you know, as far as not, not getting certain benefits, people retiring and not getting their pensions, like the, the way they've as promised. You know, health insurance has been an issue over the years. And, you know, especially for the, for the senior citizens. And I see these types of things every day and I say to myself, you know what? I don't want my mother to go through that. My mom worked very hard in this country. 
And my mm. father as well, too, even though my father was not in the house. My father actually still works. My father is 67 years old and he actually still works. He has not retired yet. And I told my dad, like, for the last few years, now, dad, it's time to retire. And my father says he doesn't want to retire. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's just a workaholic like me. I guess that's why I get the whole workaholic thing from. Exactly. I love to work. I love to work. Yeah, you guys, but, you, you know, definitely got to Yeah, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that the day my father retires, he gets what he deserves. He worked so many years in this country. He put so much work in. I hope that he can retire with the right plan, health insurance-wise and stuff like that. My mother, who's actually currently disabled, I want to make sure that she gets all the benefits that she can for all those years that she worked. And she is disabled today because of the type of job that she had. My mom was a home caregiver for many years, and she was working with a few patients that they couldn't get out of the bed and stuff like that, so yeah. she had to do a lot of excessive force. And today, she's actually, you know, took a toll, and she's actually paying for it today. So, you know, I want to make sure that I can help my mom as much as I can because yeah. that matters to me a lot. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm certainly sure that you will. And before we wrap up, Rob, give us two keys to success. If you're passionate about something and you want to bring it to life, go out there and make sure that you do it. Because the only way things are going to get done is if you do it. You can talk about doing, you, know, you can talk about something all day long, but it's not a, it's not about talking about it. It's about putting it into action. Okay. So I, my advice to people is, again, if you want to see something come to life, go out there and invent it and make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many people out there nowadays with, you know, trying to steal somebody else's idea. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if you can do it, you know, if you're the first one to, to, to actually do it, then great. You're going to be recognized for life for doing that. Okay. Another key to success. I've always said to people, nothing great is achieved without passion. And you have to have passion. You know, passion is a big part of life. And when you're passionate about something, there will be so much behind the passion. There will be motivation. There will be inspiration. There will be a voice that talks from time to time internally and pushing and tells you, you got to get this done. Yeah. And this is the reason why, because there's a big reward at the end. And I'm a strong believer in that. And I feel like what you put out in the world is what you receive back. And if you put out good, you get good. If you put out negative energy, you're going to get negative energy. That's what I believe. It's perfect. Oh, man, that's, that's some... News you can use. That's perfect, Rob. All right. So uh, before we go now, I didn't mention this earlier, but, you know, you, you mentioned WWF. That's back in the glow and you got WCW. So I'm going to ask WCW or WWF. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because WWE, which was WWF, bought WCW a few years ago. I've so heard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when I was a child, WCW and WWF, they had a war going on because... The real wrestling and the fake wrestling. I'm sorry? I said the real wrestling versus the so-called fake, the commercialized wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, at the time, the issue was a lot of WWF guys were going to WCW because they didn't like certain things that were going on with the WWF. Right. WCW was getting all the big names like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Ric Flair. But I've always been loyal to WWF. Okay. I've always been a big fan of WWE. I mean, I respect Vince McMahon, who's the owner of the WWE, I'm sorry. And I, I love what he's done. He's a promoter. I've learned so much from the guy. The guy had a vision. He ran with it. And WWF back in the day was just a wrestling company. Now it's a big promotion. It's a big, it's actually a global uh, entertainment company. And it's also uh, publicly, uh, it's a public company now. So there's so much going on with it now. And again, they do so many things. They do community work. They do charity stuff. They travel around the world. They entertain people all over the world. It's a publicly traded company. You can buy stock into it. And, you know, WCW, those are the things that they probably were never going to have. And that's why WWE was able to be the successor later on in life and actually 
merged with stuff, and they all became one big thing. Now, to answer your question, WWF, WWE has always been the company that I've always enjoyed the most. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just really just enjoying the entertainment. But yeah, when they initially, like, it's been years since they, you know, changed from WWF to WWE. But I, I had an attitude when, when they switched over because I thought that the lineup would change and, you know, the Saturday, the Saturday night mas- matches would change and the whole concept. But they, they definitely have evolved into a, a pretty global company. So I, I still watch them occasionally. But okay, well, sounds good, Rob. All right. You've given us advice. You've given us the ups and downs, just trying to continue on that entrepreneurial journey. I got caught up because I want to ask you some stuff about your upcoming events before we leave. But um, before we do that, let me go ahead and have you mention, go ahead and give us your social media handles where we can find you online. And then I know you had some past events or there probably will be past events by the time we publish the podcast, but you can go ahead and kind of mention those briefly as well. Yeah, so like I mentioned before, it's very easy to find me on three social networks, which I'm on actively, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's very simple to find me nowadays. All you have to do is just follow Rob Aurelius, that's spelled R-O-B-A-U-R-E-L-I-U-S, and you'll find me there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, any uh, events or upcoming uh, appearances you want to mention? Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, next Friday, I'll be going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for the first time. A good friend of mine, his name is David Allen, who's actually a big-time designer. He designs for the NFL, for the WWE, for uh, ESPN, and he's actually having his second annual fashion show. It's a celebrity fashion show. He's going to have a few celebrities walking down the runway with his new line. He's going to have some guys from WWE, some guys from the NFL. There's going to be a few NFL players there, and a few activists as well are going to be walking down the runway. So the event is actually going to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the place called Room 16. It's on October 6th. The event is from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And again, it's the second annual David Allen Fashion Show. And it's going to be on David Allen Day, which was something that was recently, David was actually recently honored by the community of Pittsburgh and the city of Pittsburgh. And they actually gave him a plaque where they are going to make October 6th David Allen Day. And mm-hmm. this event is to um, help with uh, the American Cancer Society. And this is actually something that's very dear to my heart. Because I, I love October because it's a uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Perfect. Well, we'll certainly uh, keep an eye out for those events and anything else that you have coming up, Rob. I am going to have you back on, uh, hopefully within the, uh, the next handful of months, to talk about Brooklyn Tribune and some of the things you're doing in your local community. But I uh, certainly want to thank you for joining me this evening and uh, look forward to touching base and, and keeping you posted. Yes. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on your show. Not a problem, Rod. You take care. You too. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.